The Red Light District by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 1, The Brutal Death of Harvey Stoner. Redstone, Arizona, 1978. Hidden agendas sometimes require perilous scrutiny. The early morning sun hovered over the massive stretch of sandstone cliffs that paralleled the town of Redstone, Arizona. Its brilliant light heightened the town's only church, a grainy-orange building nestled between the southern slope of the cliffs and the arid desert. The church had a futuristic appearance as the main body was a dome of perfect geometric proportions, interrupted by a span of clear glass in the rear. Joe Polanski stood next to his wife on the cement platform in front of the doors to the entrance room. Polanski was a short and slender man of 45 who looked younger than his years. His crop was still jet black and his skin was smooth except for a slight crow's feet etched in his high cheekbones. The crow's peaks grew deeper as he squinted his deep blue eyes and shook his head. He glanced at his wristwatch and then gazed outward along the narrow dirt road that led to the desert, along Highway 77. He turned to Barbara. I know Harvey's got himself into trouble again, Barbara, he said. Barbara was younger. Her hair was bleached blonde with wide curls at the neck and dark roots exposed at the part. Several men began shouting. The congregation peered at him. Lansky had casually turned to his right. Harvey. The disfigured form trudged up the aisle. The battered face was swollen twice to its normal size. His eyes were barely visible, and his nose had been beaten out of position. Some of his teeth were missing, and he was coated with dried blood around his eyes, nose, and mouth. Harvey! He screamed as he leaped over the pew and ran down the aisle where Harvey had fallen and began uttering guttural sounds. Oh, Harvey, he said as he bent over and then onto his knees. Someone handed him a suit coat and he put it under Harvey's head as a prop. Oh, God, my dear God. Everyone gathered around. Get away, this man is dying. Someone call an ambulance, yelled the reverend. The crowd poured out of the church very quickly as Polanski remained beside his lifelong friend who seemed to be lingering between the pain of life and the blessing of death. Harvey seemed to respond to Polanski by shaking incessantly as if he were cold. Polanski looked up at the reverend. Get him a blanket or something. The reverend slowly removed his white robe and tucked it over Harvey's failing body. The robe soon became soiled with fresh blood and just as Harvey drifted off, he spoke in a low-pitched slur. I told them, he muttered. Told who? Asked Polanski. Told Stevenson. Land, not mine. As his eyes remained closed and his voice tapered into heavy breathing. Harvey! Harvey! shouted Polanski, shaking his head. Harvey, wake up! He pounded his fist onto the cold floor. I'll kill the son of a bitch who did this. Hmm. Please try to remain calm, Joe, pleaded the Reverend. Let the authorities handle this. No! I'm going to kill that Stevenson myself if it takes me the rest of my life, he cried in a savage fury. That is not godlike, preached the Reverend. I really don't care whether it's godlike or not, he yelled as he stood up in front of the kneeling Reverend. You don't understand, Reverend. I could have prevented this, he said, looking down at his dying friend. 
How can you blame yourself? Asked the Reverend. This guy, Stevenson, that he just mumbled about, he was supposed to sell Harvey some land right out there. He pointed to the land in front of the cliffs. Looks like he took his money and did a number on him, Reverend. He, he brutally tortured Harvey, and you... He put his hand over his eyes. Hmm, you couldn't have known this would happen. I was suspicious of this whole scheme. I told Harvey to have the land checked out. I warned him, he repeated as he clenched his fist. Harvey began to stir once more, and he mumbled incoherently as Polanski stooped down. He pushed the frayed hair off Harvey's forehead and looked at his friend. Harvey probably couldn't open his closed eyes. He began to mumble again in vague, almost indiscernible words. Painful cuts, bruises, red, so much blood. Why, why, why painful? That final outburst, his body went limp and his mouth opened wide. Plansky put his ear to Harvey's blood-soaked chest cavity. It's beating, but I don't know how, he said as he kept his head glued to the heart of his friend. He could hear no regular breathing except a gurgled, hacking sound from his throat. The frightening sound of the police siren could be heard as it advanced from the distance. Johnny Luke, the dog-faced sheriff's deputy, had the accelerator, the 1966 Chevy station wagon, to the floorboards. He sped down the dirt road, actually leaping over the railroad tracks with his partner, Eddie Ferguson, hanging on. Luke slammed the brake pedal to the floor as they neared the church. The creaky station wagon spun across the parking lot, coming to a rest adjacent to the entrance. They carried a stretcher into the church. Luke unfolded the stretcher as they reached the listless Harvey. Polanski helped the deputy slide Harvey under the stretcher as the reverend stood by. Then they trotted out of the church with the mutilated body of Harvey Stoner. The congregation had formed a semicircle around the outside of the main entrance. Luke called ahead as he came toward him, grasping the handles of the stretcher. Out of the way, folks! Out of the way! The deputies raced down the stairs and pushed the stretcher with Harvey's lifeless body into the rear of the cruiser. Polanski jumped in after his friend as if he were chasing a fleeting memory. Luke shut the rear door. Both deputies opened the front doors simultaneously. Tires spun in the dirt as the cruiser hurried down the narrow highway. Join us next time for another exciting episode of The Red Light District by Robert P. Fitton. Presented by Fitton Theatre of the Words.